for many years I have not been free in different aspects of my life um, and it has 100% been a process of letting go and shedding and and also it's been about killing the personas that I have built you know that that I have built that have actually turned into like a jail for me Welcome to the Journey Into Podcast, a series of inspiring stories from the yoga community. Episode 2, Stripping Back the Self. I was born in Venezuela, Caracas, Venezuela, the capital. I lived there for 17 years. The weather, the people, the our culture, uh, everything, everything about Venezuela is so beautiful. At the same time, it's, it's such an unfortunately, unfortunate country because it's so corrupt and it's been, um, it's just been like violated by, by its govern its government, you know, politics has, has ruined it completely. But, you know, I have very, very beautiful memories from, Uh, living there and my mom and my dad they're the kind of the kind of parents that I feel like they're the kind of parents that they try to put in movies when they're trying to make like a really cool couple um that just loves their kids and will do anything for their kids and I find myself always kind of remembering things from my childhood and and being in, in such awe of like how lucky I was We moved like three times, I think, in, when we were living in Caracas, uh, always because we were kind of, we were living in uh, areas of Venezuela that got a little bit too dangerous for you to live in, unfortunately. So then we have to, we had to find another place. Um, I think the, the main, main problem of living in Venezuela um, that also starts affecting you and as a human being and how you behave is the, the crime rate, like the, the lack of safety. The way that you grow up in Venezuela, like in, in such a high alert for survival, basically, because you can be robbed anytime, you could be kidnapped anytime. And, and I've experienced this, like, and my family has also experienced this kind of crime. This is the only reason why I left or we left as a family, like, because my family, my parents are in Brighton, my brothers in Brighton, my sisters in London, we all left and we all left at different times. If you think of it as a graph, If you're in, if when I was in Venezuela, it's like um, my energy and my Venezuelanness is like going up, up, up. My quality of life was not going up, was going down. And then as soon as I changed countries, then my Venezuelanness and my energy and what, what connected me to that me and my family and everything um, started dropping. But at the same time, my quality of life started rising. Why am I able to have this awesome life in London? And why not my grandparents? You know, why not my cousins? And, and I would find myself like not posting stuff on Instagram of like dinners that I was going to, for example, or like, you know, the typical be Instagram behavior that you get. It's like, oh, I'm eating a piece of bread. Let me take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Why? I don't know why. This weird Instagram behavior. At least I experienced it. I was like, high, like actively trying not to post things that I was eating because I, when I spoke to my grandmother, she 
did, she couldn't find like any products in the supermarket, for example. I've, I was in a car here with my, in Portugal with my cousins who, who came to visit me. Um, it was the first day that we rented the car. We stopped at a traffic light and I, I think, oh yeah, there was like a truck in front of us and these two guys just like opened the door as normally you do when you need to exit a vehicle and they jumped out of the car and my cousin and like uh, her response and my response was to immediately throw our phones down like under like where the, your feet go in the car. It's been nine, almost 10 years that I don't live in Venezuela. And this happens to me all the time. Like sometimes I'm more, and I get emotional. Like I feel like it's, it's, it's really bad, you know. Um, walking down the street, if I hear the sound of a motorcycle, I feel like I immediately get this like um, fight or flight response in my body. I'm gonna get robbed. It was my dream to become a marine biologist and live to a, live in Australia, working in the reef, you know, protecting the reefs and stuff. That never happened, but I still go to the ocean frequently and I, I feel like a part of my childhood dream was fulfilled or is fulfilled every time I go to the sea. Beauty is, a, is very important in the Venezuelan culture. And, um, you know, we have this pageant, the beauty contest Miss Venezuela and then Miss Universe and all this stuff. I did actually pursue this when I was 16. I participated in Miss Venezuela, the like the teen version of it, where you um, kind of prepare to go to the nationals uh, in the actual Miss Venezuela. So um, when I participated in this one, I was 16 and my sister was also participating with me. You get all these classes in preparation for the show, for the contest. Um, and part of that was like diet. So we were put in a very, very, very strict demanding diet, which actually made turn, like I became anemic after the, the contest ended or like just before the contest ended, we had to get massages on our legs to like remove cellulite. It's called like lympho drainage or something like that. When you get cupping on your back. Yeah. So this is like a cupping machine, but like on steroids that they put on your legs with oil and they move it like really hard up and down and it bruises your legs so bad that then when you're like doing the runway in your bikini, you have to wear makeup on your legs to cover the bruises. My, they put a cast on my sister's um, waist, like on her, tor her torso was fully like covered with a cast that when, like, when you break your bones like that, shaped so that they could um, make her waist a little bit smaller And she was 14, like this wasn't even allowed, she wasn't even allowed to participate in the show, but they, they put her there anyway. You know, the show came up, that like the day of the contest uh, happened and I was super, like I was really taking it seriously. This happened when I was um, finishing high school. Like I was, yeah, it was my last year of high school. So they fully bleached my hair. We, I completely like, we, I look like somebody else. Um, But that wasn't enough because I was awarded, they give you like bands. So I was awarded um, talent, photogenia, runway, attitude, and I made it to runner up. And the two girls that won, one was awarded uh, best skin and the other one was awarded best legs. Because I remember my dad like in my room telling me like, you're so beautiful, don't worry. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> It's, it was horrible. 
Um, and he was like, Sammy, don't worry. You know, for us, you're the most beautiful. And it was hard. It was really difficult like back then. But like, it gets even worse because um, one of the girls couldn't participate. Like, she couldn't go to the nationals. So as a runner-up, they called me. Um, and I went to the meeting when they, when they told me, like, okay, now you get to go to the nationals. The next step is that uh, you need to get a boob job. You need to get silicone, like, boobs, liposuction, and liposuction from your belly and your thighs so that you can get, have a thigh gap. And then this, like, fat that they remove from there, they put it in your butt. You need to get your teeth done, uh, rhino, rhinoplastia, like, your nose fixed. And your eyebrows will be lifted with, like, this nylon thread that goes in from your, from the but the brow bone up to your like the your hairline and they pull it and your eyebrows are I was 16 you know and I'm my mom like grabbed me and we were like we left I was like fuck this I was like no 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 so I, I wasn't even de- like I hadn't even developed physically you know what I mean it's it, I just couldn't believe it it was so I'm not good enough as a human being and I'm not good enough physically either the, like something in my head changed because I still, like, for, from that moment on until I was, like, I think I was 22 or 21, I still felt like, okay, I want to get my boobs done, I want to get my teeth fixed, I want to get, and just for the, for the record, like, my teeth were fine, my teeth were beautiful. So, um, believe it or not, I traveled back, this was, like, so 16, I was 16 when I participated, yeah, I was 22, and I traveled back to Venezuela, and I, I didn't get my boobs done, fortunately, because my dad forbid it, thank God. But sadly, very, very, very sadly, I got my teeth fixed. So now I have eight crowns at the top of my mouth. When I was living in London, I had to get them redone because one veneer kept falling off. It was just ridiculous. Um, and the dentist that did the job for me in London, she, she just couldn't believe that I had that in my mouth. She was like, who did this to you? And I was like no, this is something normal, you know, in Venezuela, like, you know, you, if you want to get your teeth a little bit prettier, you just get veneers. She was like, this is unacceptable. Like, how could any dentist do this to you? Because you didn't have anything wrong with your teeth. This is a mutilation. But then one day I was in my house with my mom and there was on the TV, there was this program about yoga and there was this woman doing a headstand. And I was like, ooh, this looks fun. And my mom was like, I dare you to do one right now. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I just did it there in the living room and I, and I did it. And like, it came out, I, you know, we were playing around. So it just, I feel like with yoga, it's like that. If you're not taking it too seriously, you can do it. And it just flows out naturally. And so it was more like a game, but then I was, a, personally, I was incredibly religious as well, uh, just because of like, that's how you grow up and, and that this is what I used to believe in. Um, uh, the word yoga was like a word that uh, it's kind of like Voldemort in Harry Potter. You know, like you cannot say it. For some reason in my school, they would say that yoga was satanic, like a satanic practice. And I was like, I, I just always called my attention and I didn't really know what it was. I just, I just assumed it was a satanic practice. You know, I kept on watching the show for a bit and there was this lady who looked really calm and they, she was in nature doing headstands. So I bought this book. It was like a yoga for dummies thing. It wasn't really for, you know, those kind of books, but it was like a basics um, explanation of like the tr- where it comes from. And, and there was, I remember at the very 
back of the book, there were some sequences and there was like a sun salutation and some like poses explained or something like that. So I learned 12 poses. They were not in like, I think I was doing it wrong. It was like I was trying to do a sun salutation, but um, and I would get up at 530 in the morning every morning to just to like stare at the sun sunrise. Like it was so beautiful, you know, in Venezuela, it's just magical. And the sounds of the insects and the birds and all these animals, it was amazing. So I started adding those 12 poses in whichever random order I could remember to do them. And, I, and it just became like a really cool spiritual thing. Like I would just open the day, you know, um, back in the day, I was still really religious. So I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about it in, in a very, very spiritual way, but, but I could really feel like the practice was like meaningful. I went with my friend Lucy to a class by Rachel Brayden, who maybe you've heard of She's yoga girl on Instagram. Um, but back in the day, I remember this class, it was like Lucy, this one other tourist and me. And this was the first time ever that I went to a yoga class. Um, and after the, it was a 75 minute practice, I, I couldn't believe how I felt afterwards. Rachel came over and gave me a head massage and stuff. And at the end we hugged and, and it was just this like peaceful thing. And, uh, and then that was the day I was like, okay, I want to be a yoga teacher. when I started doing my teacher training and when I started guiding classes, I was always, I was like a, a, a one of Rachel's clones. I felt like a Rachel's clone. I, because I admired her so much and because I felt so good in her class, I wanted to mimic that. And I wanted to just like talk like her basically, or like move like her. This very quickly became obvious to me that it's actually impossible to be anybody else. Um, and actually this is something of my personality. I think for many, many, many years, I feel like, um, I was always trying to be someone else. And I, and I don't mean that in a way like I was trying to change who I was. No, I was actually copying people. Like I would copy my best friend's handwriting in, in high school. I would copy my friend, how she dressed and how she did her hair. You know, I would always be trying to look like someone else physically talk like, how my friends used to talk, if someone had like a specific thing that they would say. It was, it was actually weird. Like now that I think about it, I kind of think about it in a loving way. It's like I had no freaking clue who I was and therefore I was trying to just be someone, you know? So it was really difficult for me to, to like define how, like who I wanted to be as a yoga teacher. Um, but then I stumbled upon Strala Yoga and this is, I swear to God and to my mom, like, <laughs> because I know this is a good thing to swear, like, as it's true, the moment I started practicing Strala Yoga is the moment I defined who the hell I was, who, like, I started finding out who I was. And the reason why I say that is because I connected to me. This idea of like, why that, that I'm a woman and that I'm Venezuelan and that I have to be this like hot you know girl and like always sexy and always you know ready for action and flirtatious and all these like genuinely like this is how I feel. especially being a venezuelan foreigner it's like i just had to give this I, this impression so that i could leave the name of my country in the highest like i remember being that samantha like that version of me but i like it's almost like looking at someone else the day that i fully 
uh, cut my hair and donated it was was like a, to be honest with you, it was like a big fuck you to my Venezuelan culture that hurt me for so long. If you're enjoying the Journey Into podcast, don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes. And if you're really enjoying our series, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify. The first time I came to London was actually for holiday. So when I actually moved to London, um, I had already been there once. I had sold all my things, I had sold all my clothes, like all my summer clothes and my car and stuff and, and I was just like ready for a change. After the thermal shock came in, the culture shock really hit me. The tube comes and my sister tells me like, Sammy, when you walk into the tube, don't say anything. And I was like, what? I didn't know, I didn't understand what she meant. But then we walked into the tube, into the tube and I was like, good afternoon, like to everyone, you know? And she was like, no, like she looked at me, she's like, pulled my hand. She's like, Samantha, I just told you, don't say anything. And I was like, oh my God, like everyone turned to look at me like, what the hell is wrong with this girl, you know? Personally, for many years, uh, I have not been free in different aspects of my life. Um, and it has 100% been a process of letting go and shedding. And also it's been about like killing the personas that I have built, you know, that, that I have built that have actually turned into like a jail for me. I think it, it takes a lot of effort to be conscious of what, what aspects of your behavior or your personality or your habits, um, tie you down or incarcerate you or make you a person that is not free, make you a prisoner of you. I think my, my younger self or my teenage self um, would be so, so, so excited about um, me being an accredited yoga teacher and, and actually, actually was, for example, traveling now being in Portugal because I came here for a yoga job, you know, my teenage self the one who used to be uh, up at 5.30 in the morning and watching the sunrise would just be, you know, blown away. Thank you for listening to the Journey Into podcast. For more content from today's teacher, follow us on Instagram at journey.into or visit our website at journeyinto.com.